Real quickly, before we get into today's episode, I uh, just wanted to let you guys know I started a Patreon account for the podcast. Um, so if you enjoy the show, um, would like to support, you can go to patreon.com slash the photo banter. I got a couple different tiers on there. Um, you can get the episodes a few days early if you're interested. Um, but yeah, any support is greatly appreciated. This kind of helps fund the podcast and keep offering more content and more episodes. Um, so if you're interested in supporting, you can go to patreon.com slash the photo banter and it's much appreciated. Welcome back to the photo banter podcast. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to tell you guys about pick drop an image transfer tool I've been using every day for the past three years. Personally, I was sick of using platforms like Dropbox and WeTransfer and wanted something more catered towards photographers. PicDrop is actually founded by a working photographer, so they understand what photographers need and are continually offering new tools to better organize and help deliver images to clients. And they actually have a brand new um, design that they just released this year, um, so it's the perfect time to try it out. Um, personally, like I said, I've been using it for three years and this kind of helps me um, not only organize all my files in one spot, um, but they can also, when I send it to clients, they can make uh, notes on the photos, make selections, uh, rate them. Um, I was just using it this week with the portrait shoot I did and the client could select the file they wanted me to retouch and it just works so easy. Um, like I said, I personally vouch for it. Um, so with today's episode, um, you can get two free months of PickDrop. All you got to do is go to PickDrop.com, enter the promo code BANTER when you sign up, and you'll get two free months. So go check it out. Let me know what you guys think, and don't forget to enter the promo code BANTER when you sign up at PickDrop.com. Welcome back to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne, and on today's podcast, I welcome on photographer Chelsea Kyle. Chelsea has worked with clients such as the New York Times, Starbucks, Apple, Grey Goose, and Pepperidge Farms, to name a few. In this interview, I speak to Chelsea about her journey with photography, um, what attracted her to still life work, um, as well as food and beverage and beauty. Um, really amazing work. Uh, I was excited to have Chelsea on. Um, still life and product and beverage work is something I don't know a lot about, and there's such a uh, unique skill set to be able to do it at the level she's doing it. Um, so it was a great conversation to learn more about her craft. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy this episode and thanks so much for listening. Boom. There we go. All right. And now welcome on Chelsea, Kyle, uh, long time coming. I think we've been talking for almost like a year and it's been going back and forth. So excited to have you on, uh, recently had Dana Smith on who had nothing but great things to say about you, but I guess, how's it going, Chelsea? Great, and thank you so much for having me. It's, yeah, definitely. Uh, really exciting. I'm uh, a long-time listener. Oh, cool. And I know so many of the people you've interviewed, so it's so great. That's awesome. Um, I guess, how's the summer been for you? Like, what have you been working on? Anything you've kind of been excited about lately? Yeah, a lot of lot of fun stuff. Um, I've been doing quite a bit of editorial this year, more than, uh, more than usual. And um, a lot of beauty work, which is fun. I'm, I'm branching into that a lot more lately. So, uh, yeah. But you know, the the steady, always, always there jobs for me are alcohol. <laughs> yeah, I work on a lot of alcohol stuff. Um, food, of course, as you know, um, still life in general. The alcohol world seems like in the last ten years has just like popped off. Like, there's every month there's like some new seltzer brand. There's like some celebrity pumping some new alcohol and 
the few friends I have that are doing food and beverage, I think like during these last year have been crushing it. Uh, have you always just yeah. been in the, the beverage space? Uh, yeah, not, not until, um, you know, probably around 2018 when I, uh, left my full-time job at Connie Noss where I was a staff photographer. Um, did I really get into the food and beverage world? Did, I definitely think that the drink side of things I have found in niche in specifically because of lighting. I just love studio lighting, um, liquids, bottles, like the, the act of like pouring drinks and all the things that are involved in that with splashes and motion and, and things like that, uh, that really piqued my interest early on. So, um, that's kind of just become my niche. <laughs> yeah. I really, you're, you're and I'll link it so people can go check out your work, but when I first looked at your, because I'm a portrait guy myself, I've I've never really done too much like still life or product that much here and there over the course of my career. But like the way you approach your work, it, your products, be it food, beverage, or whatever the fa like the fashion beauty stuff, it almost looks like you like it, when I look at it, it looks like almost like a fashion spread. Like the product is almost like a celebrity photo or like something. It it's not. It's not like a cookie cutter, like, like a picture. I don't know. It, it just comes alive in the, in the colors and everything that you do. Um, it, it's different than anything I've ever seen. Thank you so much. It's such a compliment. And yeah, I'm, I'm pretty extra myself. So I like to really, uh, yeah. go, go to the extremes of, of studio, uh, still life photography whenever I can. And like, how do you first get into photography? Um, I had a camera forever. My my grandmother raised me, and she always had film cameras around. She was always taking pictures of us. Um, but she, and she was really deliberate about it. She would always shoot like candid. She never let us pose and things like that. So <laughs> it's always like uh, these really incredible albums that you look back on. It's just like such incredible little moments that she would find. And uh, I really loved, you know, cameras early on because of that. And I just really never saw myself doing much else i tried to go to school for nutritional and things like that but uh it always came back to photography so i went to vsop which um you, you know a ton of people from vsop i know you've interviewed a few yep. um and data who was so kind to to call me out there um he i it's funny just in your interview with him he said that i dropped his class which and he didn't remember why <laughs> i did actually drop his class but it was doubt because i didn't love Dana and, and his we actually I, I credit him with helping me really understand that I didn't want to do the traditional like portraiture editorial um he would always call me a lighter because I would just bring too many studio lights and I didn't try to make make these huge elaborate scenarios that were just not reality which I think is where I switched to um so when I was in school I, I my focus was in commercial uh studio lighting and then uh retouching was my like minor they had they had like a different structure there but it wasn't it was pretty much a minor how was your experience yeah. at nisop were you, were you happy you went there oh i would go a million times again if i could it, it was the best school and the coolest people uh i loved i loved being in downtown boston and unfortunately now they they closed down now they're no longer an option and it seems like a lot of schools like that that kind of going that direction and i don't know if it's because of the speed of the technology but like i mean it doesn't make sense, especially with so many people having a renewed interest in film. 
it's surprising to see how few programs there are out there like that. Mm-hmm. It was an incredible school. I, I loved getting the hands-on equipment lessons and, and really uh, just working with professionals in the industry as opposed to like a traditional teacher not to say that they were and they were it was just like it felt so unique in the sense that like everyone you were learning from had different styles of teaching based on their experience within like photographing in their careers too so um that was really cool about the program how was the program there because i i i took some classes when i was in high school they had like evening classes i learned how to use like speed lights and then i would rent dark room space um, but like when you're, Steve-o. huh? Steve-o, the he taught the classes with Bruce. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was great. It was so long Fantastic. ago, like over twenty years ago or something. But um, when you were a student there, was it pretty flexible? Were you kind of open to like make the work you wanted to make, or were they kind of guide you in what what you what you should be shooting, or like how did that work? Yeah, I definitely knew there was a lot of um, there was a lot of freedom, especially with like the subjects and all that and I definitely think that you know looking back on it I obviously I shot a lot of still life which makes sense but at the time I didn't really understand why I was doing it and like it wasn't something I was like oh well, yeah I want to shoot like a Starbucks cup I'm on a like background seamless and blah blah and like you know it, it just didn't make sense and then it clicked later on and like I I love I love learning equipment because it's just like that's where I went first and then figuring out exactly the subjects kind of became like a that was a discovery for me that happened after school and then I, I just kind of like fell into food which it turns out like that that was what I needed to do all along but I don't think I like actively made that decision to be like I want to be a food photographer yeah yeah because when you were at Nisop, what were some of the kind of work you were you were making back then was it still always just kind of product and beverage pretty much i shot a lot of people too i actually think like i i really enjoy photographing people and i actually think i liked the challenge of still life in the sense that like making food look delicious making a a product look really glossy and amazing and attractive is like is a really unique challenge that I don't want to say it's easier with people but like beautiful people you know beautiful dresses incredible lighting like it's it's no-brainer it's gonna be amazing but like how do you make like a bottle of olive oil just like look uh, no. incredible and like someone wants to buy it's it's so hard I, I realized early on that i did not have like the patience to be like a good product photographer like the attention to detail and like using tweezers and like I'm, I'll just like break shit. Like I'm too like you gotta this the attention to detail and then it's almost like I feel like for me half the battle with like product photography it's like putting a puzzle together because it's like you have to be kind of like a stylist in one sense. I'm sure you obviously work with the team of stylists on some jobs now, but early on you're kind of your own stylist, and I feel like that that's like a real skill. And I, I just realized I was terrible at it. And <laughs> well. Yeah, I, I highly doubt that, but you'd be wonderful. But your work is incredible. So uh, it's definitely, I think it's uh, a very specific path. And also, like you're saying, working with Silas and 
and bringing a team together to create that image, it, it's a whole different experience too. Because obviously, I have incredible stylists that come to me with so many cool ideas, but it's also a collaborative experience with, you know, working with them to to create that larger context of the story and and all those little unique pieces of like props and food styling and like you can style one type of food sixteen different ways and like why are we going to do it this way? Is it because the story and the, the era that we're shooting in like etc what's the hardest type of food to photograph i've i've heard ice cream is the hardest but I, in in your mind is there one food that's like more challenging than others you think to photograph meatloaf really meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> so specific i'm sorry but <laughs> you got like a meatloaf horror story like <laughs> yeah so i was um i was on staff at uh, Epicurious and then later Epicurious and Bon Appetit to your client house uh, for about four and a half years and we had a really incredible like process of just like the recipe developers would be making stuff and we'd be shooting it and like working together in real time to like bring these scenarios together and, and you know it's fast paced right it, all online for Epicurious Bon Appetit print um, but yeah Epicurious is the only client house brand that has always only been digital and so we had like a lot more capacity and we weren't stuck to like the you know each issue type of thing so we were just always shooting and yeah meatloaf was always the hardest or like anything that had like what was what was hard what was hard about it It what was the difficult part of i guess shooting meatloaf it doesn't have any like lustrous qualities or like it's just it is what it is, and you're yeah. not going to make it look real appetizing. <laughs> yeah, and I bet a lot of the challenge with food is you have like a small window to where it still looks like fresh and good, and then yes. once that window closes, you're like throw it in the trash, and you're you're done. Like I, my friend Buddy, he's working on a Domino's commercial last week, and he said they went through like sixty pizzas on this shoot. It's like yep. insane. Uh, I guess like. When you got out of Nisop, uh, what was kind of your first step into the business? Did you go straight into shooting or assisting, or what was kind of your journey? Uh, I was lucky to have it uh, my last year. So Nisop was a two-year program, a certificate program, and then so the second year, I in, I interned at Boston Magazine uh, with Scott Lacey, who uh, incredible photographer, photo editor. Um, we actually still work together. Or, this was many many years ago. Uh, he's, he's, like an he's like a he's like Oprah magazine now. I think Scott. Yeah, yeah, he's at Hearst, and I know he does a lot of work on multiple brands now. Um, but yeah, he's just he's always doing some incredible work, and and cares so much about the teams he works with. He's such an incredible uh, collaborator, artist, everything. I don't know if he shoots very much anymore, but I hope so personally because his work is incredible. Uh, I did so. I assisted him as part of the internship and then uh when i graduated i became like kind of his full-time first assistant and i did assist uh many other photographers in boston for many years which was so incredible uh it, ranging from food photography still life um uh gary tardis he was an incredible food photographer he's still uh he does a lot of commercial food work in boston he's had like the biggest brands his studio was so incredible. It was so fun to go there. And then some more photographers did editorial work or, um, 
you know, anything magazine related to Boston. It's kind of, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's not a ton of like fashion work or things like that. It's, it's, it was a great place to, to assist because everyone was so patient and I feel like it's a different world than New York City. <laughs> yeah. Was moving to New York like kind of always your goal or did that just kind of come about later? Yeah. No, I actually really did not want to move to New York. I, I thought I hated New York <laughs> and uh, I was pretty set on staying in Boston forever. And uh, I got a call from Kanye. And oh, yeah. That's, can't say no. And mm. now I love New York. It didn't take long. I fell in love with the city, but uh, I did move here for that job. Yeah, I feel like the coolest thing about New York, like every time I go down there, because living here, I was kind of in my own little bubble, and then I realized there's this like, I, I I understand the draw. There's so many of this creative people doing cool stuff. Like then there's so many different like cool events, and you get to meet people and like this see what people are working on. Um, like I was down there a couple of weeks ago. I went to like some little like photo show in Brooklyn, and I was like, oh damn, this is pretty cool. Like you don't get that as much in Boston, you know, at the smaller market. No. It's a bummer though. This Boston is just so great. It's so like so many of my favorite freedoms. I mean, I've met through my journey in Boston and it's such a great community. Did and did I see I saw your LinkedIn. Did you start you shot weddings too early on? Yes. See, I love I, I love talking too. <laughs> I love talking about wedding stuff because like I I did that and I just have so much respect for the people that do it. Uh how is your experience like shooting weddings when you did do it? It, I, I I think I really, I don't want to bash it because I did love part of the process that was like, it was such a busy day. And I love that you just are constantly shooting and you're just like bounced around, finding those moments, you have your checklist. Um, but I just, I didn't get as much of an enjoyment out of it as I did when I created stuff like from scratch, like finding the thing in real life and photographing it. I love, but I like want to put my own part in it. I want to like treat, treat the world as my studio. Like, okay, this is the background, but like bringing everything else in to make that image what it is. Yeah. Um, which like, you know, weddings are prescriptive. Uh, there's a lot of pressure. I ended up mostly, I, I shot a few weddings, more than a few, probably like a dozen or so <laughs> myself. But then I, I definitely, I preferred being a second shooter. Less but pressure. I would just go pressure, would yeah. hand the memory cards <laughs> off and like I'm like if you want me to call them I will but otherwise I'm out <laughs> like, yeah and it's so hard I, I have so much respect for wedding photographers who because their schedules I mean they have to book two years in advance their summers are out it's it's a lot it's yeah a huge commitment. I felt the same way like it wasn't any, it, it the photos never meant anything to me because it's just like you're kind of it's kind of the same thing over and over and it's not always, it can be creative in times, but like at the end of the day, it's not like, not as creative as like doing like editorial thing or working on some personal project. But I feel like the thing I did get from it is that especially in the bigger weddings, it forces you to like, you got to direct people and you got to get people's attention and like organize all the families. And I think I didn't realize that later on that like skill is very useful once you get into like bigger and bigger jobs where there's more people on set. It's kind of like, the being able to delegate and stuff like that you know absolutely that's an incredible point that i had never thought of it's extremely accurate yeah and was being a photo editor is that what like was that like something you thought you wanted to do or like it, even when you were working as a photo editor 
did you still have the dream of kind of shooting on your own? Uh, so my job was very unique at Epicurious, where my title was photo editor and staff photographer, but I was very rarely hiring. I I'd get like a few assignments where I'd have like enough budget that I could bring on like an outside photographer that I really respected and like have them shoot a story. Yeah. But I wasn't really, um, I wasn't outsourcing the work. I was shooting most of it um, myself. So, and then managing the photo department, I think it was definitely uh, about four jobs in one, which is wow. why I quit because it was too much. Because like, what what would a day look like for you there? Like, obviously, you said you're shooting, but then like, what in those like you said like four jobs? What what kind of stuff are you handling on a day to day basis? It was really incredible. I had a lot of freedom to to create my schedule around how you know the magazine or the how Epicurious and Black and the Tea were were producing their recipes, and so I pretty much just. I followed whatever they were doing and found the time to, to be able to fit in in shoots and and scheduling all that and organizing it and you know if if the team because the the editors the food editors at Epicurious would be producing these recipes and then they would need to be photographed and all this and if the editor themselves wasn't styling it I would be bringing in food stylists prop stylists depending on the story if it required specific props that we didn't own. I like manage the prop closet, would make sure we had inventory for, for all of the, you know, basic range plates and then like the fancy plates and like all the proper glassware. Uh, that was a really fun part of the job is being able to like be a part of all of those different things and schedule. And, you know, from point A to, or from the beginning to the end, I was producing the whole thing. So that was an incredible lesson. It was a lot of, a lot of work <laughs> I, I would imagine this because you're shooting so much you probably just you get better as a photographer is because you're, you're constantly making stuff yeah oh absolutely and it, it's just it's really incredible the team i was working with there i had some really supportive bosses that were they gave me a lot of freedom to do what i wanted with the style of photo like the, the main goal was it has to look edible P you want people to make this recipe it's about the food but what day, you know, like the, how we lit it, how we propped it, things that like were completely open-ended to me really allowed me to like challenge myself in different lighting styles, like um, different aesthetics, uh, just range of equipment. And like, I, I really was able to hone my own personal style that way. So I knew, you know, this is what needs to happen for magazine for epicurious.com all that but like you know my personal outtake of this weird little like bite from it and then like a cocktail or something like something fun that i can take out of it that i would do for myself too like that kind of freedom to do that was was encouraged by my bosses so um that was really great because did you guys have like a full-on like kitchen with like chefs that kind of work there and prepare the food or like how did that work uh, yeah, the whole team of food editors on both Epicurious and Bon Appetit all worked in the kitchen regularly. They were developing the recipes and, you know, one of the other perks about being there is every once in a while you go slack and be like, oh, come downstairs, there's a ton of food to try. And like, <laughs> they'd just be running through different versions of all these uh, recipes and we got to experience it with them. 
and uh, the studios were connected to the kitchens and it was just like this big floor of constant cooking and shooting and uh, there were other staff photographers that were shooting so um, it was a really cool space. And you, when you left Ep- Epicurious, what was your, because uh, you ended up working, was Epicurious and Bon Appetit, is that the same like company? Yes, yeah, sorry, I didn't properly explain that. Um, so Connie has, uh, has a umbrella uh, of different magazines within within their brand and so Bon Appetit and Epicurious are the same through Connie Nas, but they're different editorial staff so um but they did merge creative when I was there halfway through so they took the photo departments and combined them of various magazines that were associated with each other so Epicurious is uh the online food recipe site and Bon Appetit's magazine but they like crossed their sun recipes it's it's all complicated but yeah it's the same and then did they have like did they have like a different visual like style like if you knew you were shooting epicurious versus bon appetit you had to approach it like differently yes they did they had really cool different styles how how so how did they kind of differ i would say that the magazine was definitely more of like a fine dining like approach to things that's fine that it's like more of like a the ingredients were always a lot more complicated the recipes were a commitment you had to spend time epicurious definitely catered to an audience that was uh families quick recipes um not over complicating it and maybe like saving you steps or combining it, it was definitely um the two different aesthetics, I think, followed that. That it was like a more approachable food. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. That, that's always that's my opinion, of course. You ever, get, <laughs> you ever get like a? You ever get a cookbook and it's like, oh, I have one cookbook. I forget what it's from, but it's like, photos look great, food looks awesome, but like half the half the ingredients, like you can't find like at a normal grocery store. It's like, how do I find it? <laughs> you know, it's yeah. It, so yeah, the more approachable. That's that's cool. Um, so when you left Epicurious, what was kind of your next move? Did you go into another photo editing or are you just kind of working on your own freelance stuff or how did that work for you? Yeah, I, I really wanted to go freelance and do my own work. And I think the process of doing that kind of revolved to me with one, like the, the final year before I quit and oh. oh with different people that I, I had met in the industry and you know, talking to different agencies uh, to represent me and uh, just putting feelers out there with other, you know, teams of people I wanted to work with, uh, brands I really liked, things like that. So uh, I kind of dove in head first and really just started shooting at my own pretty quickly. And how are you kind of marketing your work? Because, you know, that's like the scary thing is like, having a full-time job and everyone and people struggle with it like making that transition to going full freelance it's not easy and it doesn't happen overnight um but what were kind of some of the early things you did to market your work and get your name out there and find clients i guess i think it's mostly just the traditional i mean i i'm definitely very active on online i i have like i'm always editing my website i'm always reaching out you know, checking in with people that I haven't worked with in a while or, you know, letting them just, you know, making sure that they're, it's a small world food is in the, in New York. I think that 
you know, once you start to know the big players or everyone in this space, uh, you can network pretty easily. And I think that that's definitely been my biggest uh, help is just getting to know everyone, being able to work with everyone that I did at the magazine. And then once going freelance, having those contacts and uh, it was it was hugely helpful. So I think that that's definitely majority of the marketing I do. I would say that I, I don't really do the like flyers I, I love them. I have so much fun looking through like Ace Photo Editor's account mm-hmm. and like all of the um, mail-in stuff he, he does, but there's not really a space for that anymore, especially with people working from home. Where do you send it? Um, yeah, it is tough. Are you Like I used to do tons of meetings in New York. I'd go to agencies and at their magazines and that's how I got lots of my work. But since the pandemic, I really haven't done it that much. Um, I did I did one or two meetings this year in New York, but... Do, do you ever go show your book and meet with people in person these days or what what's the vibe in new york are, are people back yes. doing portfolio reviews yeah it, it's definitely coming back it, i think it's harder to to organize with a lot of these again just because a lot of people are working from home but uh, i definitely try as often as i can to do that because it's so important to get your work in front of people and meet them in person yeah. where they get to know who you are a little bit and yep. not just see your website <laughs> yeah definitely and like, who were some of the first clients you started to work with when you kind of went out on your own or were just working freelance? I worked with uh, Women's Health Magazine, actually, Scott Lacey. I was a photo editor there for a while, and that, that was a huge uh, help to you know be able to jump into that. Um, I had known him so long, and we knew that we worked well together. So um, I worked with him a lot. Smaller startup food brands. I used to work with like Olipop, which is now huge. They're like, oh yeah, breaking records left and right. But I worked with them really early on when they were like a small startup. Um, Banza, which is like now also huge, uh, when they were in their early days. So it's it's really fun to be able to have worked with smaller brands like that. And now they're <laughs> all over the place. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And like when it comes to like still life photography, like if anybody was listening, like what are the skills you think you need to have to be like a, a good still life or product kind of food and beverage photographer? Is there like some skill sets that you think are important if you want to find success in the type of work you do? Yeah, absolutely. Lighting. I mean, that's number one. It feels like it should go without saying, but I, I do notice there are a lot more like, um, opportunities to hire lighting assistants and directors which i've never done myself but i can see the uh, need for that with there's so much range you have to be able to cover in so life now that you know just one setup of or style of lighting it doesn't cut it anymore so i think that that's one of the most important parts of course communicating with people the the this side of educating your clients what's necessary within a still life production is really huge because uh, it's a lot more involved than you know anyone's not not saying everyone but a lot of people don't understand the difference of like a traditional photo shoot versus a still life shoot and how much more complicated it is how fewer assets you can get out of shooting one day things like that that become really crucial in the early parts of the process to make sure that everyone's expectations are where they are, but that you're also like setting yourself up for success. What are like, cause you mentioned like, what are some of the things that make like a still life shoot more challenging? 
what would be like some of those things? Uh, definitely like some of the stuff we were talking about earlier with like sirs, um, you know, things need to be repeated a lot. Uh, it takes a long time to get it perfect. Uh, you spend hours on one shot and it's just, it becomes very granular quickly because there are so many variables that are more important when you're that like punched in on something i think when you're like pulled back and it's like a lifestyle scene where there's a lot going on in people and like the story becomes more about like the experience and like where you are with that thing but like still life it's so much more like concentrated on that small moment and so you know glassware gets swapped out six or seven times to see the perfect glass like can we see the ice perfectly through that one or is it you know too pretty and it's not showing the drink well enough like things like that that happen even after days or weeks of planning and putting together shot lists there's like so much experimenting that happens on set with one shot that ends up being a lot, a lot yeah of yeah definitely and what's like the because i don't know that much about food photography but like I've always heard things like when when you look at is there like rules to like if you're shooting an ad for food like you can't use certain things to make it look better like I remember hearing like back in the day like people would use like glue like in a cereal shot because it looks so white like what's the rules with that or like can you are you allowed to do whatever to make it look good or how does that work yeah that is a huge thing and it's pretty much the first thing everyone asks when they especially the food stylists i'm sure they're triggered just hearing this yeah. <laughs> it's like it's definitely like the i think it was more like the film world days of like things had to be impermeable and last on set for hours you can shooting with film and there's so much you know polaroid only does so much to help you get there so like just really like making sure stuff didn't move and that world of advertising doesn't exist anymore. We can use the real stuff, and it is again, yeah, a lot of illegal stuff, which yeah. you have to navigate. And there are different rules for different companies based on what can be in the product. There are different rules for different countries, especially when it comes to liquor. Everyone has different like advertising rules of like how you can depict drinking, how many people can be in a shot whether it's shot in a home place or home setting or like it has to be in public like there's a lot of restrictions about alcohol that uh you know like some i think it's mexico you can't even show people touching the glass they can't they can't be drinking it they can't touch it they can be around it but they can't like interact so it it does kind of force you to be creative in different ways which is fun yeah no that's interesting i never even knew that um and, you know, one thing I always ask people, like, when I look at your work, you obviously have, like, a d distinct style. Like, you're definitely, like, color is important in your work, and I really love this, the contrast in your work, and you do some really interesting stuff. Um, did it kind of take you a while to find your voice as a photographer, and is it has it changed over the years? Is it kind of continually changing, or how do you kind of view this, the this your creative approach to your work, I guess? Wonderful question. I really feel like it, it hasn't ever been something that, like, I think the biggest compliment is when someone says, like, I saw your work in real life and I knew you'd shot it. Yeah. And, like, I still don't know how that's happening because, like, I, I just keep doing tweaks until I'm like, okay, that's it. That's This is where I want the light. This is what, like, has to happen. And it's not something that I feel like I have a recipe 
before. I think it happens naturally and I'm I feel very fortunate that I have that, but it feels cohesive to, to the viewer because I know that's so crucial. But I really do feel like I go into each shoot being like, all right, let's try something totally different. Then like maybe I try different lighting equipment or lenses or like the angles and where we are in the scene and things like that. So um it just kind of always comes back to somewhere that feels like me so that's cool and yeah I, I guess that's a long-winded way to say i have no idea <laughs> <laughs> no that's interesting that's cool and you know i know you mentioned retouching is something you you've always been pretty good at are you retouching all your work at this point or is it kind of vary from project to project or like how do you handle that aspect of your work I used to, as I said, when I was in school, I, my minor focus was in retouching or I think it was creative imaging it was the title there, but I was all Photoshop. Um, I love retouching. I don't know what it is. I just can sit there for hours and do it. And like, it's such a crucial part of the shoot for me. So I think it's like just as valuable as being on set for me is like being a part of the post-production and making sure all of that comes together. And I do notice that that's something that's unique that not a lot of people like to retouch in still life world specifically because obviously it requires so much more retouching because you're just so you're so close up on products and sometimes and people and and pans and things and uh you know the cameras we're shooting on have just such incredible quality and details and and sometimes it's just like it's you literally have to take away some of that to make it feel real and relatable and, and not distracting from the image so there's so much of the retouching that i i love to be a part of i do have a retoucher that i work with very closely and i've been working with for you know more than five years uh and she and i uh we work closely on everything um it's more i would be doing it my own self i could but sometimes with the capacity of these shoots it's just too much for me to do both and he's been crucial to keeping the, the aesthetic the way like you know we, we talk the same language now and and she can kind of I can shoot on set for certain things I know she's gonna have to retouch and I don't even have to communicate to her she'll know like oh you shot this for this area yeah and just put it together it, it's really it's really crucial that's the hard thing with like working with retouchers because I don't know how you, yours works but like will they even will they handle your color too or because i know some photographers they'll have them do like the retouching but then they still handle their color like how how does that work when you do work with your retoucher i still handle my color always yeah, yeah. i feel yeah the color is like so personal <laughs> like i just like i've worked with retoucher before and i'm just like the retouching is great but there's there's just something i think we all know exactly how how black you want the blacks and how you want the set. It's so it's yep. so personal to each photographer, you know? Um, yeah, and it's cool. I mean, with, with the way we're shooting tethered all the time to your it, Capture One really allows you to do that really in the early stages too. And are you doing like a lot of composite work with like when you're shooting beverage and product? Because I know, I know I the small, I did a year at Hasbro Toy Company doing like all the e-com stuff and all the toys and every we shoot one toy and it'd be like 25 because we'd like light the head light the arm and then you just like <laughs> blend it all together is that uh, an aspect of your work or how does that work yeah absolutely i think it definitely comes in in most frequently when we are shooting like 
if it's a bunch of drinks, if two of them need to have splashes, there's no way we're doing that in the same shot. It's like, mm-hmm. we'll shoot them individually. And like, I, I love movement in my liquids. So like, I might got to get the shot and then add a splash or make sure there's bubbles in the drink or something like that's important. For... And then of course, yeah, I mean, products, there's so many times where we need to have variety of a composition and flexibility for the client in post to be able to like have an option without that or something that like is layered in there and the foot what the focus what do they call that like when you, I mean, oh focus yeah focus that i already my, yeah i've never done it. my friend who shoots a lot of product he always tell me about it and that's like pretty important to like a lot of product photography right yes yeah and then uh with with your type of work, we mentioned a little bit, like how important is the stylist you work with? Um, how important are they into like creating what you do? Huge. I mean, I'm, I definitely think that stylists are, it's not as important as we talk. I mean, like there's no break. It's so stupid. Everyone's an artist and we're all making this stuff together. And uh, I genuinely think that they're, they're, the most important part. And are, is there like... He went good, good stylist. Is there like different stylists you use for certain projects? Is because like our stylists have like their unique like kind of niches or like, or do you just have one that you yeah. use for everything or how does that work? There's definitely niches within like every stylist that you work with and it's prop, food, hair, makeup, all that. Every single detail i think there's things that people like to work on more and there's like for me you know like i had to work in a lot of vintage stuff sometimes or we are super modern or we're like props are something that are just being supportive and structural and i need somebody who's really incredible at like building a set with from like scratch and like creating like a more of like a construction project instead of like a this is the specific type of glassware things like that like I, I think that there's a lot that crosses over but there are definitely people who have niches and I work specifically with different artists on different projects because I know that they love that subject or they're going to be really good talented at finding me that that exact item I'm looking for or the food niches like food styling there are people who are better with ice cream or soft foods and uh some drink stylists are better with cocktail ice and things like that that um again a lot of those skills cross over and they're all incredible uh, they and you have to be good at doing all of these things but there are definitely niches that i, I use to help yeah. craft what i'm doing yeah so much so much detail in everything i remember I worked as when I was a photo assistant. I worked on a Coca Cola job, and I was like, I was probably only like a year out of school, and I I met this guy, and his whole job he was like the Coca Cola like ice guy. That's like all he did on the shoots, and I was like, man, that's a wild job, you know. But he was the he was the best at it, so they always hired him. Um, and it's such an art form. (laughs) Yeah, and the one thing I was interested in talking to you about because you do do kind of a wide array of things, like you do your food and beverage, you do kind of some like beauty. And then you also have some really cool like uh, travel stuff. How do you approach like editing your editing your work um, for your website or portfolio? Um, like, how do you approach that? Because that's like the hard thing. Because you don't want 
like do you feel like it all needs to be cohesive or do you just view it as all different types of things you do or like how do you just approach the editing of your work i definitely feel that there's strength in making sure that you show the work that you want to be doing Mm -hmm. uh not to say that there isn't work that i haven't put on my site that i loved making i think that there's uh a lot of what you were just explaining like covering the bases to make sure they know that you have a range but also the specifics of like you know if it's a test shot that i've done i value it more than like some of these client jobs just because i'm like this was me doing everything that i wanted to do with no influence from somebody else like if i get to do this job that that's amazing like i want to do that so uh that's important and i think people should should make sure they're showing the work that they love but of course we all need to make money and we need to eat ourselves so you have to put in (laughs) like the work that um it pays the bills and that shows everyone that you know how to do different subjects and different lighting and uh i'd say the travel stuff for me is like i i don't get very many travel jobs uh that i get yeah, like, you don't get them yet you don't get them yet they're, right. they're coming <laughs> yeah, thank you yeah i enjoy like going on vacation and just like spending your day roaming a city and like it's such a therapeutic process for me that's it, it when i looked at when i looked at it it all made sense though because even though obviously the travel work content wise is a lot different than what you do with your food and beverage but the color palette was still very similar. So it was still like, for me, it, it didn't look, cause you know, like sometimes you go to people's website and I think it's a probably a mistake people make early on. And I probably did it too. Is like, you're, you're like hungry to get work. So you're trying to like do everything, but then it's all this a mix mosh, but yours isn't. It's like, it's, it's still the same voice, even though it's like, it's travel, but it's still cohesive. Uh, I guess what what is it about the travel stuff you enjoy? Thank you. That's so nice to hear, and I definitely can see what you mean. And I think that that's how I approach travel stuff too. Is this like vignette of a moment that like is compositionally creative and like has the the color I want the like fun angles or textures the same way that like the life has so much of that um and yeah i think you can find that in unusual situations which is like not the most like quintessential travel photo so like it's finding like a corner of a tiny house somewhere that like has this weird something different about it that's like fun and i look at that a lot my favorite, one of my favorite pictures on your Instagram was a picture of your grandmother and you guys went on a trip to Alaska and she's like on the plane looking out the window. Um, and uh, how is that experience traveling to Alaska with your grandma? Because I think I read in the description or whatever on the post, it was like that was like a dream trip for her to go there, right? Yeah, it was uh, one of the most amazing experiences in my whole life. Uh, it has turned me into a diehard Alaska fan for sure. Um, she always wanted to go. Um, my grandma's my best friend. <laughs> She's the best. She raised me and my two older brothers. Um, and so he sacrificed a lot of her her life to make ours better. So this was such a fun experiment. Cause she'd literally never been on a plane since the 70s. I mean, we didn't grow wow. up traveling. Um, 
we did travel to like Massachusetts and Boston and uh, Martha's Vineyard, uh, but we never really did those big trips. So this was a big deal for her and uh, my brother and my sister all came with, uh, and it was just incredible. We the pictures are just the the most frustrating thing about it was that you're seeing these things and you're like I I don't even think a photo can do this justice. Like it, it just it can't come through the scale of that place. It's just massive and like. You're out there in the middle of nowhere on a like prop plane and it's so hard to show scale i remember that was a really difficult thing that i couldn't figure out i was like how do i show how big this is there's not like then find like a car somewhere and like try to put it in a frame or something like so that you can see that like this is such an expansive place and i actually did get a job because of that trip which is really cool oh really what did you what did the yeah. job what was the job you got it was for um windstar cruises okay i was shooting one of the like dishes and one of the, like in June there was like a restaurant and had this incredible crab dish that like I just took a picture of um for fun because it was so beautiful and they reached out and they wanted me to come back and and photograph all the food offerings along the like road portion of that trip where you get off the cruise boat and you take a train um from Seward all the way up to uh, Denali wow that's incredible See, that's what it's, you got to keep making work and putting it out there. You never know yes. it's going to come your way. That's that's amazing. Um, and when you're photographing uh, travel stuff, obviously with, you, with your commercial work and the food and beverage, it's like in a studio and heavy lighting. Um, in terms of uh, when you're shooting travel, what's like kind of your go-to camera? What do you, do you have one that you use for that type of work? Or what are you kind of bringing with you when you go on trips? I wish I had like a, a setup because like every time I go, I'm like, now nah, I'm gonna bring this camera. This time. <laughs> uh, I still don't, I don't bring my like medium format base uh, into travel often. It's just too heavy. Mm-hmm. But I I would love to. I know they make a like reporter style version of that camera, which maybe one day I can get. But uh, yeah, I would say that whatever you know the Canon cameras, uh, the DSLRs, I have a few of them. All interchanges in those. There's a handful of film cameras, um, but yeah, it's different every time. <laughs> yeah, any in any places you're you're hoping to go to next? I was looking. You've been a lot of places. You've been like Machu Picchu. You've been like a bunch of other cool places. But what w- w- what's next? Any any bucket list spots? I I mean anywhere really. I love going to like any new city and just exploring the different architecture and style of you know whatever and even like it's just crazy to go to places and you're like the light is different here like portugal was like that it was just like i was just like, unbelievably blown away by how beautiful everything looked at sunset they are like this is, it's like so fun to just find uh how all these like areas photograph differently um but yeah i i would say anywhere but of course i want to go to italy soon and I'm oh yeah next year <laughs> oh, it's it's so good. It's the best place. Um, and you know, I was interested in talking to you. You, I think you're up by was Hello Artist, correct? How, how'd that partnership kind of come together for you? And like, how, how what do they kind of bring to the table for you? And like, what made you want to kind of partner with them? I shopped around a lot when I was leaving Condé, my full time job there, and uh, looking for a an agent I was really I was starting to get bids that were coming to me that I needed help with and it was really fun to go and meet a bunch of different people but 
I sat down for lunch with Rachel, one of the owners of Low, and it was just like, we knew right away. We were like, oh yeah, we see the same way. We talk about the same things. Like we value the the part of the communication with clients the same way. And it, it just felt really great. So they're they're wonderful. They're really um collaborative and, and listen and, and try their best to figure out, you know, the different ways of, of marketing the work but also like supporting us as artists. So it's really great. And like How's that? Because I never had a rep. Like, how's that relationship work? Are you like talking to them every day, every month, or like what? And what does that look like? Are they like asking you like, "Hey, we need this type of work to market to these clients," or like, how does this kind of the relationship work with a rep? I guess it's definitely every day. Uh, it's all the time. We're navigating different projects as they come in and figuring out different approaches I and mean, there's such a wide range of, of projects that we take on um and there's so much communication we need to have i think the the value of of having an agent is just that it is it is so much to manage all that communication while shooting all the time and i definitely think you know i've heard the argument that like being able to speak one-on-one with the clients and the agency or whoever's hiring you is something that you kind of miss with agents, but I don't feel like that happens. I think it's really great that, um, you know, of course, all these bids have so many layers. You have to take, make treatments. You have to have these like calls um, for so many. And that's your chance to get your, your FaceTime with the client and, and share your vision and let them see how you want to approach a project. But separating all the business stuff back and forth is so crucial and it helps so much to be able to like keep your relationship with the client good and so that you get to not talk about all the money stuff but you and your agent do and negotiate and figure out the ways to to make each unique project work um and i think that we you know, there's obviously a point where your agent kind of knows what you need and want for each project, but there's still so much unique about every project that we're constantly having to communicate about to make sure that, yeah, it's all happening the way we want it to. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's a hard thing to find, you know, because I've heard, I've heard the horror stories, I've heard the good stories and everything in between, but it sounds like you, you got a pretty good setup there, so that's good to hear. Um, and, you know, this career, as you know, like freelance photography is, uh, there's a lot of ups, a lot of downs. Like, have you ever doubted yourself in this career path? And like, what kind of keeps you going during like the, the tough times, you know? Oh, it is quite the roller coaster. I mean, this year has been yeah. one of the more challenging for sure. Uh, and just when you think it can't get crazier, it does. Uh, I do think that at the end of the day, like, this is what I want to be doing. This is what brings me the most joy. And I just never give up on it. So, <laughs> yeah, that's, how that's you, my motivation. Yeah, see, that's, I think that's, how you, I'm the same way. Like, I just can't, like, there's not an option to quit because it's just like, even, yeah, no. I, even no matter like how bad it is, you're just like, I don't care. I'm just like, this is what I live for. Like, you're just waiting, you're just waiting for that next job or the next project. And then you get, you get that rush of excitement again. At least that's how I feel, you know? And and that's what keeps keeps me going. Yeah, I think it's you know equally as important the other way around too. Is, is like the the time where it's so busy that you're you're kind of on the brink of burnout, like which happens. Like it's 
it feels like it comes in storms and it's like everything all at once and then nothing and that happens a lot and it's it's tough to mentally navigate it but uh i think it helps make sure i have focused a lot on like making sure i'm still loving the projects and it's it's, i'm I'm not and i'm finding anything that i'm like oh i i'm not as excited about shooting that like i need to reassess why i'm not finding that exciting because it's like the client is being too difficult and i need to figure out a better way to like get my vein across or like um or meet them but you know it's just it's everything is so specific to what you love doing and i think that it's it's really important to like find that and and use it to motivate what you say yes and no to you of course we all have to eat yeah oh yeah trust (laughs) me half the jobs i shot this year i'm never posted because it's like um they were great jobs but they weren't like creative really there's this like you know there's a job and they needed some photos and that's what it was um at this point in your career like are you still making time for like personal work and test shoots and things like that much always you have to it's yeah. the most important thing yeah this keeps it keeps that you gotta feed you <laughs> yeah feed that engine because what what type of projects are do you enjoy now or like what are the projects you're hoping to get moving forward anything i feel really fortunate i love all my projects right now and my most recent ones like i i, I don't there's nothing that i'm like oh i had to shoot this the other day i, I just i'm i've been very uh very happy to do that and i'm looking forward to like i said i've definitely been doing a lot more beauty um and it's like still like products not necessarily uh like fashion or and just um more silly but i also love working with people involved in it too so it like the world is getting more expansive within the still life in studio lighting i mean like that's that's where I am. Like, if, if I'm happy, I'm, I'm lighting a set. It doesn't matter what's in it. <laughs> so are you a brown color or a pro photo? What, what's your... Pro I, photo. Interesting, because it seems like a lot of product people in beverage love brown color for some reason. I see it. A lot of people... I think it's a little bit cooler. Maybe. I don't know. I've always just heard that. But yeah, I'm, I've been using the pro photo stuff too. Um, and I guess to wrap up, like, you've had a really great career, like you've done a lot of different things from being like an intern to a photo editor and now you've built your own career like what advice would you give to someone like wanting to pursue this as a career anything you've learned mistakes you've made or anything i would definitely say the most important thing is is you know what we talked about like learning everything you can about the subject the thing you're photographing is so important i think that learning this business is really important and is required for longevity that is necessary in still life like in in studio shooting and in commercial there's so much that goes into the bids the pre-production all of that like being being educated and like looking for resources within the community to help figure out how to price yourself um is huge especially now when it's like you know everyone and there's so much more access to photographers because of social media because of the internet all of that so it can be really easy to like get a job and be excited about it but not know that you're actually like underbidding the industry and things like that that like i frequently have conversations with with my colleagues about that i think is like an education that the younger generation of photographers is missing and 
And I think that's also on us as like uh, people who are in the industry to help try and educate people more too, because there it's miss we're missing that in a lot of cases. And I think that like learning those skills is um is huge and um one of the most important parts of it. So um that knowing your equipment, being nice to people. Yeah. It's <laughs> simple stuff, yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> oh yeah. Wants to work with someone who's fun. No. Also just important to be a good person. <laughs> For sure. Uh oh the other thing I, I forgot to ask. Do you, do you feel like you need to like pay attention to like the trends in like whatever food and beverage photography or do you just kind of like uh just focus and make the work that you're you're excited about and want to make or like do you feel like you need to pay attention to like what other people are doing or no I don't think a healthy bit of it is it's helpful but I do think that um we can exist in a vacuum sometimes with with all the styles that are trendy that are happening and like being mass produced all over like different companies and like the same kind of aesthetic happening and I think it's important to to separate what you're doing from like what everyone else is doing sometimes and like Instagram social media all of that it can get so overwhelming that mm-hmm. and there's so many styles that um Google library, pitch up a photo book or an art book and just find something in there for inspiration instead of like going to Pinterest. And like, I do that because I have to. And like, to, to keep your brain from like doing the thing that everyone else is doing, which um, it can also be fun because you, know, you have to also like find the style that you like. And when you're trying to develop that aesthetic, like doing what other aesthetics are trending and things like that is helpful, but and it can also be hurtful. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, extend that you gotta do what you want to make, cause yeah, cause I feel like food and beverage photography has changed a lot. Even since I got in the business like 15 years ago, like I feel like back in the day, like a lot of it was like super soft, like natural light. And now I feel like a lot of stuff you see more harder light. Uh, is that like a, f- a fair assessment? You think? Absolutely. Uh, it it changes a lot, but yeah, it's fun to see it happening and be a part of it or easy yeah that's right Met- something totally different that's right throw it all away and just break it up and try something new uh but chelsea thanks for taking the time to do this i'm glad we finally got to connect always always uh good to have another photographer on here so thanks so much thank you so much it's uh, an absolute honor so there you have it that was the chelsea kyle interview i uh, can't thank chelsea enough for taking the time to come on the podcast a real pleasure talking to her about her journey with photography and everything that uh, she's accomplished really amazing work uh, definitely go check out her work at chelseakyle.com and you can follow her on instagram at chelsea louise kyle uh, i'll put all the links in the description but definitely go peep more of her work And also a reminder, um, with this episode, um, you can get two free months of PickDrop. All you have to do is go to PickDrop.com, enter the promo code BANTER, and you'll get two months free. And also, um, as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, we started a Patreon account for the podcast. Um, If you enjoy the show, would like to support, you can go to Patreon.com slash ThePhotoBanter, and there's different tiers, and (laughs) you can get access to the the podcast a few days early and some other content that's going to be going up on there. Um, So definitely go check that out. I'll put the link in the description. Um, But as always, thanks so much for listening and take care.